Tim Timony, Tim Timony, Tim Tim Tree. For a man who was up late working with his iPad 2, you have way too much energy. You know, because the iPad 2 has rekindled my lust for life. I don't even want to think about what you put that poor girl through last night. And by girl, I mean <laughs> iPad. Yeah. And by iPad, he means girl. Not what honestly, I, uh, I went to bed about three. I saw uh, Battle L.A. With Aaron Eckhart? Yes, yes, with Aaron Eckhart, Michelle Boyd, and Michelle Rodriguez, and some other folks. Aaron Eckhart, Hollywood's Two-Face. <laughs> that guy's chin dimple is ridiculous. <laughs> Because he's wearing a helmet through most of the movie, uh, it, it, so it's just pushing that thing up, even making it more prominent. It's it's I couldn't stop looking at it. So what you think of the movie? Uh, good fun alien film, very stereotypical characters, average dialogue. Aaron Eckhart's character literally in the first couple of minutes of the movie signs his discharge papers to the army. Yeah. So he's got so you know he's, he's got like three days left on the job. <laughs> He's the old man. You know, the first thing they show you in, in modern, you know, at the beginning of the story is him, you know, out running all the young people being younger and faster. And so he's got this whole old man thing going, how he's too old for this anymore. And Does he actually say, I'm getting too old for this shit? No, they, they didn't go that far. That's too bad. But then they had the guy who was about to get married and they had the guy whose brother had died. And, you know, they just had all these these stereotypical uh, army movie characters and uh but it was fun. It was fun. It's for a fun, you know, kind of brainless action film. It was excellent. So, is it something you're going to watch again? You watch on DVD or watch it on uh, cable or something? Uh, probably not. If I want to see fun, you know, action, uh, I probably pull out Alien. Still, that's kind of my go-to alien action film. Now, is it more of a, uh, you know, an alien action film or like because you, you compared it to Alien? Is there a horror aspect to it? Uh, there's very little horror. There, there's uh, that degree of uncertainty about what exactly is going on at the beginning because uh-huh. they don't realize what's going on. But no, it's not really a horror film. No. Lots of good blowing up. Yes, lots of excellent blowing up. Lots of gunfire. Lots of alien technology blowing stuff up. It's uh, it's it's very good for that. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was trying to think like the last action movie I saw in the film, and I'm not even I'm not even sure what it was. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. Maybe Transformers Two was the last thing I saw on the big yeah. screen. Sucker Punch looks really good. I can't wait. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but the the previews I've seen this week on on, on the TV. Look. It's fan service masturbation on the screen. Yeah, Maybe exactly. exactly. I'm all over that. Oh, it looks if, so horrible. If, if I can go and 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 masturbate at the movie theater, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, be careful! That didn't work out so well for Pee Wee. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. This is Andrew. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How is everybody today? Good. <laughs> that doesn't sound... I'm not convinced about your goodness, Andrew. Uh, Let's try that know. again. How is everybody today? Woo! Good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and the rest of us? <laughs> Mediocre. <laughs> At best. <laughs> I'm excellente. So this is our last recording prior to Fear the Con. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So, uh, Tim, I saw your irritating tweet last week that told me you were all done getting your game set up. (laughs) What? I just need to tell you, Tim, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of where I am emotionally with you right now, Tim. Yeah, you, you, well, you know, I just I sent it strictly to you to try to motivate you to get to get you know to get the donkey in the cart. Uh, <laughs> clearly, just from your irritation, you're not you don't have the donkey in the cart. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> getting there. The donkey I, in the cart. 
But uh, things are coming together really nicely on my uh, uh, shipwrecked on Monster Island game. And, well, I'm uh, not in that one, so I don't care. I'm I know you don't. Uh, I know you me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it sold or it blocked up before I could get in it. Damn it. Aaron's going to be working on this uh, adventure as he's flying into St. Louis. Well, you know, that is kind of oh, a move. It could be worse. I mean, there were people at Fear the Con, too, that were in the back table finishing their adventures the, the slot oh. before they were running them. Yeah, Steven Jajura over from the uh, Postcards from the Dungeon. He, the, he, was, he didn't game in, I think, two slots that day just so he could finish up his game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I caught Dan with his laptop in the first slot on uh, Fear the Con 2 doing the same thing. Well, I, I fully expect that I'll, I will take it right up to the wire, but I, I think I'll be done before I get on the plane. Because I'm going to finish uh, uh, Shipwrecked on Monster Island this weekend, and it won't take me any time to finish my zombie stuff. Because the great thing about my zombie game is I already have the world built. It's just a matter of you know fleshing out a couple of points and uh, maybe generating another couple of characters. So that one's kind of uh, doesn't require near as much work. I'm ready to kill players, though. I'm sorry, characters. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone turns up missing at at Fear the Con, strictly coincidental. They failed their social role. (laughs) That's right. So did y'all see the the video that Mikey Mason did? Yeah, that was hysterical. uh, I'm one of the 160,000 people that have seen this thing. It's doing great on YouTube. Yeah, because it was like when I when I posted it on the site Wednesday night, it had like fifty four thousand views. So that's all. That's a lot of additional views since then. It's gone viral. I mean, it hit Time, it hit uh, it hit Reddit, it hit basically every site you can think out there, including Weedonesk. So wow. the the Firefly fan community has gotten a hold of it now too. That's great. That's great. Mikey, of course, is in my uh, Escape uh, Shipwrecked on Monster Island game. I keep forgetting the name of my own game. This isn't good. This is not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's in my 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 game on Friday morning. And he's in your garage. He is in my garage right now. Right now. <laughs> in the trunk of your car in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking First a forty. Burst player down. <laughs> So, Paul, I want you to know I took care of business. I called the hotel yesterday to confirm my reservation and to ensure that I'm in the adjoining room next to you. Oh, I appreciate that. I just want you to know that's taken care of. And I told them that I fully expected that some kids were going to try and play a crank on us and move our rooms. So I've got it locked under a password now. So Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry. The party room is on. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> On like Donkey Kong. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, this is gonna be so good. It's gonna. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> room. I might cancel my reservation and just sleep in Paul's room. <laughs> well, and I, I was reading online that on a scale of one to ten, ten being the skankiest, St. <laughs> Louis ranks a nine for their hookers. So, and because <laughs> I know you like them particularly skanky, I've gotten you two. <laughs> But one of them's Andrew. Well, and, and one of them could be the subject of a future he/she update. So, <laughs> well, you know, if you get a story out of it, that's all that matters, right? Aaron, that's right. Aaron, if, if he gets a he/she update out of this, can you write this off as a business expense? I, absolutely, tax well, there you go. deductible. You're, like, you're welcome for that little tip, Paul. <laughs> you can thank well, her for the other tip. <laughs> yeah, that that would piss me off if Aaron got me hookers that I have to pay for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just I put, some put hookers. Yeah, <laughs> but you got to pay for them. And everything I've helped help myself to out of his mini bar, put it on his tab. Yeah. And anything <laughs> out of my mini bar. Put That's, it right. That's right. I just love those macadamia nuts. <laughs> I might be able to get a new TV out of this weekend. Yeah. Well, I mean, new to me TV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so earlier this week. Ooh, there was there was an incident. Are you referring to when you uh, uh, scared and, and just you know horrified a young sales clerk? No, no. All right, no. all right. This was an incident that occurred here in my home involving a trade paperback copy of Greg Rucka's Whiteout, the trade paperback on which the film was based, and I was. Uh, Reading said trade paperback in the bathroom. 
And as I stood up to take care of the, the remainder of the business at hand, I dropped it right in the toilet. And there's that horrible there's that horrible moment where you're like, can I get it in time? No, let it go. <laughs> it's not white anymore, is it? <laughs> yeah, it was it was very much no longer a white house. <laughs> yeah, I uh I uh very disappointed to uh see that one go. <laughs> the horrors of the trade paperback incident. So ha- had you finished it yet? How how far through it were you? I was about halfway through. Oh, I had more to go. But, you know, in terms of, of reviewing the work, <laughs> did not enjoy it enough to go buy another copy. <laughs> I'm just wondering how he got it out of the toilet, because it's not going to disintegrate when he flushes. It's still there. I, so I, he's got to reach it after it. No, I'm thinking, were, I will I'm say that there were tongs involved. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say fireplace tongs. Yeah, yeah there were tongs involved. Uh, that reminds me of my sock incident. <laughs> you had a sock incident? I was at a concert. This was years ago, and I had I had to go to the restroom, and so you know I found, and it was it was fuck it was a freaking terrible disgusting restroom. And you had to poop a sock. No, I had to poop, but I didn't have to poop a sock. I mean, you know, that's not how I roll. But I <laughs> I, I looked in the toilet, and there's a sock there. Oh god! Like, clearly, that's not going to flush. And so you know. I was like, this is gross. I'll just wash my hands for 15 minutes. But, you know, I got to go. I got to go bad. So I, I you know, I, I started taking the sock out, and someone had used the sock instead of the toilet paper. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh God. Oh. oh, I'm throwing up a little bit in my mouth right now. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, held, I held it for the rest of the show. Oh, See, I, I'm – I am – Perfectly comfortable dropping a deuce in the sink in that in that instant, you know. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. I dropped one of my cell phones in the toilet once. Oh, did you it's go one after of, it? You have to. That's the bad part. <laughs> yeah, I do with a pager once. For the next two months, every time I used the phone, I held it further away from my head. Than normal. <laughs> one of the guys I work with uh, dropped his keys in as it was flushing. Oh. And so just gone, you know, every house key, car key, everything just gone. And and having to come out going, dude, can you drive me home? Because I flushed my keys. (laughs) Plumbing is hard. (laughs) You know what's not hard? The iPad 2. Getting that thing was awesome. I got me an iPad 2 yesterday. You might not have known it because I've been so quiet about it. Yeah, this, this is, this, this, is a, this is a shock to me. I have to say, you know, I have lined up for Apple release day stuff in the past and have been, you know, real unhappy with the way things worked out. But uh, this was managed really well. There's there's such a nice difference when there's actually supply meeting the demand because uh, I got they, they started selling them at five. I got that to the store at about 20 after four. And I was like the 47th person in line. And I was like, crap, you know. And then they came out and they had stuff. Now, I was planning on getting the 32 gig Wi-Fi uh, iPad. And they ran out of those. So, crap, I had to get the 64 gig iPad. Damn the it. Horror. The horror. Damn it. I still just don't get the demand for it. I, I don't get it. And looking between the iPad 1 and the iPad 2, what features they added for the 2, if I were to get one, which I have no interest in getting one, I'd go for the $100 cheaper one, the old one. I have to I, say, having played with my friend's first-generation iPad and, and worked with this just you know last night and this morning, that one of the huge differences is how fast it is. Cause they it improved. does have a faster processor. Oh, and it is it is greasy fast. I am stunned at at what a joy surfing is on this thing because you know I've got an iPhone, and you know on Wi-Fi I am I am always disgusted at how slow uh, it processes a web page, and even on my my buddy's uh, uh, first generation iPad there's still a little bit of hesitation, but man this thing just explodes with content on the screen, absolutely love it. I am now complete. So uh, I, I didn't get an iPad. Yeah, what the hell? 
What happened? I know. Paul? All week long, Paul's like, yeah, I'm going to be your iPad buddy. You and me, man. iPad forever. Did you realize <laughs> there's no point to it, Paul? Did you? No. No. I was proud of you, Paul. <laughs> I was proud of you. Oh, well, um, then, yes, it was you. a choice. It was by choice. Totally by choice now. Uh, now that you're proud of me. Yeah. <laughs> by no, choice. I, I, had a, I had a family emergency come up, and I was not able to get my iPad yesterday. You're weak. So I am, I'm sorry? You're weak. I know. Well, I'm hoping <laughs> and praying that they still have some available. Well, you know, but, they had them at Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and the Apple Store. I uh, think you okay. probably well, still find stuff. Yeah, Paul, well, I'm going to go look around then. Paul, do you think Aaron would have let family come between him and his iPad 2 yesterday? Probably not. I just no. want to say no. that any family who would try to come between me and my <laughs> iPad is no family of mine. Dead <laughs> to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, since we're talking about things getting between me and my iPad, besides family, uh-huh. there was an incident at my comic shop this week. No! Yes! No! Another incident! No. I didn't put anything back on the shelf. It, but I was allowed to put something back on the shelf this week. Okay. Um, which I'll get to in a little bit. <laughs> I was. Uh, you know, he actually uh, gave me permission. Um, but no. <laughs> nice. I was, I was looking at the shelves, and all of a sudden I feel this, like, elbow on the back of my neck. I was like, what the hell? And I turn around, and it's my comic shop guy. And he points at me. Like, he sticks his finger in my face. And he's like... I don't like all this talk about the iPad. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't have one yet. (laughs) Is he holding you personally responsible for all the iPad talk that's been going on? No, he doesn't like my talk about the iPad because he thinks I'm going to replace him with the iPad. Oh. Use me as a customer. I'm like, you didn't notice that I stopped buying image comics when they started sending us preview copies. (laughs) (laughs) if every company did that you would never see me that's right except when i need to trade from amazon so how'd you leave it with him you know i just kind of like brushed it off and turned back around and looked i'm like yeah you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) well i i I read my first comic on an ipad last night and it was the uh ron mars witchblade annual with the uh, soviet era witchblade uh-huh. And absolutely loved it. Now, it's just a simple PDF. So, you know, on the PDF, it, it kind of functions, you know, if you're familiar with the iPhone and the photo library there, it kind of functions the same way. You can zoom in, you know, squish it down to look at, you know, a, kind of a global view of it, you know, uh, page to the right, page to the left. It worked. It was, it, was a, it was a very enjoyable read. And, of course, the artwork is so nice in that book. It was nice to be able to zoom up and fill the panel on the screen. Absolutely loved reading in that format. Um, I also uh, downloaded a free Marvel comic. It was the first issue of Dark Avengers, which is a different experience because, you know, th- theirs are really geared to reading it on an electronic device, and it will. It almost has a. I wouldn't. I, it's not what you'd really characterize as animation, but it will auto zoom to the panel, and it will, you know, expand, and, and it it tracks for you. So whereas in a PDF, you're kind of having to track to the next panel manually um, and know that, okay, I need to go to the right here and then come down to the left. The Marvel comic is doing that for you. you know, and They've it was been playing with that for a while, too. Like the late 90s, when they started releasing CDs worth of old content, Yeah, they had some of that in there, too, because they had uh, Spider-Man, the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. Yeah. That storyline came in CD form, and they were doing the same thing. You click to the next page, and it'll zoom in on the panels. Yeah. It'll go like panel by panel. That would be enough to actually sell me on online comics. Now, PDF doesn't do it for me. But stuff like that is kind of cool, and it works. It is cool. Um, now, here's my complaint, because one of the things that I was looking forward to, I have not yet become a subscriber at Marvel.com marvel.com where you can go in and look at their whole digital vault and you don't own the comics on your computer but you're paying a subscription fee to look at all the all the comics on their server right so i don't feel like i'm out anything because i'm not actually buying the comic i'm just kind of subscribing to a service kind of like netflix here's the thing as i understand it and i probably have a little bit more research to do it's not available for the ipad because it uses flash 
So you can only, you know, you can view it on your on your PC, but you can't view it on an Apple tablet. And that's because Apple is behind the times and they don't have flash on their devices. I blame Apple. I blame Marvel because because an Android tablet. You'd have flash. Here's why I blame Marvel for that. iPad dominates the market and, and Apple's made it really clear they're not going to add flash. You know, I think Marvel is missing a huge segment of the market. By not doing that, because I'm not going to go and buy issue by issue Marvel comics. You know, I'm I'm more interested in doing the digital vault. But if it's not available, it's not available. It's only a matter of time before they release an iPad that does Flash, because when Android starts releasing their tablets, if it does Flash, Android will take Apple out of the market like they're doing with phones. iPod is still, you know, iPhone is still huge, but Android has surpassed it a long time ago. Android surpassed BlackBerry this week too. So I mean. When Android gets into the tablet market, which is it's coming, their first the first version will probably suck, and I still won't see a point for the device. But eventually, they're going to start chipping away at that market because they're going to have Flash, and so much of the internet has Flash that Apple's going to have to implement it. Otherwise, they're going to lose. So Aaron can't read his his uh, his uh, Marvel comics on his iPad, and, and other less horrific news: hundreds of people in Japan died because they didn't have water wings. But so. but I did get to read about that on my iPad. Oh, so well, there is a bright side. Of it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I read about it just as well on my Android phone. Yeah, I blah, still blah, don't blah, see blah. a point for the for the iPad, and I don't see a point for you, Wayne. iPad is just a big phone, and if Wayne's it, just a big gamer. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't see the need to have it on my phone though either. I mean, basically, I the, I, the iPad fits a market between a phone and a laptop. In my life, there's no market for that. There, I don't need a device that's not a phone and not a laptop. The phone does everything that the iPad can do, or the laptop does everything that the iPad can do. And it just depends where I'm at, which one I want to use. See, and I hate uh, reading documents on my phone. And I very much enjoy reading documents on the iPad. So there you go. I am glad you are enjoying your iPad, though. That's right. For the people that love it, I mean, it's it's great for them. I just I'm still in the camp of I don't I don't see a point to it. I have no reason to ever buy one at this point. I mean, I have a I have a e-reader that sits on a shelf gathering dust, or it would if my wife didn't use it. And I know that if I bought an iPad, it would do the same thing. It would sit somewhere gathering dust. You know, I don't, I don't have the, the the grand sweeping ideas that Wayne has. I'm just counterculture. Too many people like it, so it must suck. <laughs> so there you go. Which explains Tim's fondness for you know, Teen Titans. Yeah. But now we all like Teen Titans, so Tim's going to drop it. That's right. Well, it's it's getting le- it's getting less uh, shiny in my in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Damian Wayne left. I mean, Tim's already crushed about that. God. It hurts so bad. <laughs> everyone seems to like Damian Wayne. You should start hating him with me, Tim. Not, not everybody. So if I liked him, you'd start hating him. Eh, there'd be. You might be the one person on the bandwagon that breaks the axe. I'm like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, that's this. better. <laughs> I already got my Damian Wayne buddy. I don't need two of them. Then it starts getting hip. <laughs> but don't worry, Wayne. We can find something to like together that Paul. Aaron and Andrew all think sucks. I'm good with that. Well, it won't be New Avengers because Wayne doesn't read New Avengers. Uh, that's no, true. I but I did think it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, New Avengers issue number 10, of New Avengers 1959. Apparently, Paul didn't like it. I didn't like it. What didn't you like about it, Paul? Pretty much everything. Was it the cover in which. Uh, uh, Sabretooth looks like he's got man boobs. <laughs> you know, that, that, that could – I will say that all ties in with the issues I have with the art, which I thought the art was very weak in this issue. Uh, and not just the Diodato art, also the Chaken art. Uh, the Chaken art bothered me a great deal. I, the Diodato art didn't bother me at all, but the, the Chaken art – you know, it's funny because last issue I enjoyed the Chaken art, did not like it at all in this issue. Yeah, it was much – the Chaken stuff was much weaker. But I really like – I think the Diodato stuff really fits the feel for what they're going for back in the 59 stuff. Yeah. there. You know, on the Chaken pages, so much of it just seems posed. There doesn't seem to be like a, an organic flow to it. 
like the you, know, you open up the first page and there's uh, uh, Dugan and Nick Fury walking down the street and they're just very posed. And there's another page where there's it's kind of this entry scene and uh, you've got you know the, the crowd of uh, that uh, Nick excuse me Nick Fury has put together. It's you know towards the end and you've got the guys you know straightening their jackets and t- you know touching their ties. And Nick Fury's got this just very strange kind of hand gesture, very pointed feet walking. And it just looks like something, you know, off of a uh, a uh, fashion runway show versus something organic to the story. I and I'm 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 drawing the contrast because there's some of the inking that I think is really effective. I, I, I like the use of, of some rather bold colors um, and brightness in the Chaken stuff. But I don't think that's Chaikin. That's you know whoever's inking him and whoever's uh, coloring him. Because the the Chaikin stuff I just really dislike. And this goes back to what I was saying before about how I usually don't like Howard Chaikin's work. You know what yeah. I like about the art? I like the fact that there's a panel that Superior Superior is looking down on the New Avengers between her fun bags, and I'm like, that is the best shot ever. <laughs> I need so, that in every issue. I saw the cover <laughs> of this thing. What is the storyline with this 1959? Is this time travel? Is it a flashback? Is it what's the deal? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it it is a flashback. I mean, we're finding between the last issue and this year, we're finding out some things that Fury did in '59 after World War II that I assume is going to tie into the current storyline and with the in present day New Avengers with this whole Superior storyline. Yeah, and basically but, Nick Fury's okay, out. So He's here's something I was. Uh, Nick Fury's what? out recruiting this uh, this team of even badder badasses than the Helling Commandos, and so he's out picking up Victor Creed and some British guy I don't recognize, and <laughs> Marita, and oh, you know, it ties in with the story because that sounds more like a Secret Avenger story than it does a New Avenger story. Now, no joke. I'm slamming the artwork, but some of the stuff happening in 1959, story wise, I rather got a kick out of. Like, you know, Nick Fury and Dugan meet uh, Victor Creed. And, you know, Victor Creed's like, you know, you ever see your insides? Bet that'll impress you. And he's about to, you know, gut Nick Fury like a fish. And Dugan just wastes no time and just shoots him straight in the head. And so when, you know, healing factor kicks in, Victor Creed's like, well, so they told you about my healing factor? And he's like, he heals? (laughs) 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 I thought that was hysterical. Huh, didn't know that. You know, I like I like I like the uh, 1959 story. I just wish that it was the backup feature instead yeah. of this crap that we always get every issue. But but then where would they put the uh, where would they put the oral history of the Avengers? Oh wait, uh, on, nobody, nobody cares. Now, yeah. you know we've been beefing on the uh, oral history of the Avengers, and it occurred to me this week how I think I would enjoy it. I think I would enjoy it as like a radio drama. You know, actors, you know, uh, having a different actor for, for each of the personalities. I think that might be enjoyable. I think I'd like to listen to that, but certainly I'm not enjoying reading it. Sounds like Aaron wants to do a uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> I call Janet Pym. Oh, you were going to get Janet Pym. You would. <laughs> Trust me. Nobody knows fashion in 1980 like you do, Paul. That's right. <laughs> See, I don't know. I had a lot of it, you know, I liked the 1959 story stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. But as far as the current day story stuff, it's just we're still in the same fight scene that we had in last issue. Like yeah. nothing progressed. And that just kind of bugged me that, you know, I read a book, you know, now we we are two issues into the storyline and we're still on the same scene. But don't you, know, you think that's because they're using so much, so many of their pages for other things? Though so much of the book is the 1959 stuff that you know there's hardly any pages going on in the present day battle. And Paul, this is a Brian Michael Bendis story. This is decompressed storytelling. We're giving this room to grow. <laughs> well, and maybe here's my my issue with it. If they had made a last issue all Howard Chaykin prequel, uh-huh. and then this issue all fight scene i think i might have enjoyed it more but the fact that we have two issues where the story where the modern day storyline is not progressing at all i get decompressed storytelling i mean i do but at 399 you know i like something to happen in my comic books and in this issue nothing 
knew happened. You know, the 1959 stuff from the last issue, I think, was completely unnecessary. I mean, did we really need to see Fury running around with Dugan chasing down Nazis? I mean, at the beginning of this issue, they're like, Nick Fury, you know, having been spending his time writing down Nazis, couldn't they have just put that in in the, the intro like they did and use all those yeah. pages for modern storytelling? I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that, that scene had nothing to do with the story, other than someone saying, we need you to form the Avengers. Well, you know, we could have just had Nick Fury forming the Avengers and gotten the whole point across, yep. you know? Yep. That's just, I, I just feel like, you know, it just bugs me that I, I like, and maybe it's just because most of the other books I'm reading nowadays aren't doing the decompressed thing. Right. You know, the the decompressed thing, you know, is, you know, it was big for a while and, you know, but I dropped pretty much any book written by Matt Fraction, who is also a decompressed storyteller. But, you know, other books that I read, you know, especially these DC titles that jam so much story into 20 pages and, you know, some of the books we're going to talk about today, so much happens in one issue in that when I read a book that's three ninety nine and nothing happens, you know, like think about how much happens in an issue in an issue of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Now, you know, in 1959, Nick Fury's putting his little team together, and he gets Namora. And I thought in the 50s she was working with Atlas, but I guess she can work with more than one team. Hey, she's like the <laughs> Spider-Man of the 1950s. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and he's also added Craven the Hunter to the team, which I think is kind of- Namora, which is interesting. Well, yeah. I think my my biggest uh, issue on the team that he's put together is Victor Creed, and it's largely because I cannot stand the way Howard Chaykin draws him. Yeah. Who is Dominic Fortune? I don't know who that guy is. He was an 80s character, uh, kind of your uh, James Bond kind of guy. Okay. But isn't that kind of what Ulysses Bloodstone was, too? Yeah. Or was he more Indiana Jones? Uh, Maybe more Indiana Jones. Okay. I, I do enjoy that sequence where we're introduced to Dominic Fortune. That uh-huh. uh, that was the highlight of the book, I think, for me. Yeah, with the with the uh, you know lady in his room, and she's going to stab him. Yes, with the garters corset. Yeah, yeah, it was a good Andrew, scene. Andrew, the highlight was she was looking at the Avengers between her fun bags. Okay, that was the <laughs> highlight of this book. Well, that was also no, that was that was also a good page, Timmy. Oh You're right. my god, that was. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know. So, Paul, you sound pretty unhappy about the new Avengers, so i got to ask, are you in for the next issue? You know, I am in for the next issue. I hope this storyline gets better. Um, I hope the, you know, I, I know they're going to be splitting the art duties at least for another four issues. Um, really? And, the, you know, and then, of course, it'll tie into fear itself, I'm sure, uh, after, you know, after that story, after this storyline ends. Or maybe this storyline actually leads into fear itself. Who knows? Um but yeah, but the, I mean, because this is only the second issue of a six-issue storyline, so I don't. I mean, I'm 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 in for the next issue. I mean, New Avengers, you know, those first eight issues were fantastic, but you know, there were some weak issues in the the first volume of New Avengers as well. So you know, maybe this is just going to be a weak storyline, and hopefully, it'll pick up after. Or you know, I just I don't know. I, I'm I'm not impressed with this issue, but. Not enough to drop the book just yet, you know. I, 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 it's, it, it's this storyline is riding on the coattails of a pretty great first storyline. Yeah. Well, Bendis thanks you for your continued business. He should. Well, you know, Tim found that fun bags were the selling moment of New Avengers, and you know who else has fun bags? Wonder Woman. No. Tell us about Wonder Woman's fun bags. Uh, they are nice. <laughs> they are mesmerizing. Um, the last page does have a big cleavage shot. <laughs> well, let's face it. There's a lot of cleavage shots in this book, but that, I'm all good with that. So, uh, the Wonder, Wonder Woman 608. Uh, I know we didn't talk about this guy last month, but the basic storyline is that, um. The, the, this trinity of uh, goddesses of war are trying to um, kill Wonder Woman or recruit Wonder Woman. It kind of it kind of goes in and out about that. Yeah, recruit but, if they can, kill if they can't. Right. And so what they did was they 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 brought back 
three of Wonder Woman's old enemies, which is Giganta, Cheetah, and the Huntress. And since I don't, I don't know crap about old Wonder Woman, the the new Wonder Woman villains are, you, you know, you get their motivation is that they're mad because they stayed behind at, the, um, you know, to save the other Amazons who fled into man's world. So they're basically ticked off that Wonder Woman lived and they ate it. Is kind of how, kind of how it's 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 playing out. Um, and so yeah, I. Uh, uh, another solid, another solid Wonder Woman book. I love the art. I, I this progressed the story really well, and it, like Paul was saying, in twenty pages, I, I felt like it moved it quite a bit. What I had to look up the, uh, I had to look up the big reveal villain at the end because, like you, I have no clue about old Wonder Woman villains, so I didn't recognize Doctor Psycho at the end. He was, he's kind of a cool character. He just kind of walks in and takes all of these big fighting characters and just points to one and it's like. You're uh, you're too heavy to stand. Goes into her mind, tells her she's too heavy to stand, and then she just falls over onto the ground, you know, unable to move. And just one by one, these three villains just walks through and just tells them things, and then they do it. And I'm still I'm enjoying the story. It's still good. I still love the art. The fight scenes are still incredible. But for the last issue or two, it really feels like there's something missing from the story. And I think it's Straczynski. Now that he's handed this over to Hester. It doesn't have the same kick that it did for me story-wise. Like I, this would be the book that I would be looking forward to each week. I'd grab it, I'd read it, and you know, I'd be all excited about it. And now it's kind of slipping down the the list of the ones I read. It's still, I'm still enjoying. It. It's still a great book. It's still, it's finally doing some big reveals, but it doesn't have the same feel that it did just a couple of issues ago. <laughs> Is that your cat agreeing with you? In the <laughs> That's my wife's cat. No, that's her cat. It's not a community property cat. That's no. her cat. No, it's not. <laughs> There's definitely been a lot of fighting. It's been very fight centric the last three issues. I'll, I'll give you that, and maybe that's just a. And I think that yeah, might the, be it. We haven't had as much dialogue, as much story going, because we've had all the fights, and then we've had the mysterious characters showing up. I think if they get back to some solid story and dialogue, maybe it'll feel like it did in the beginning of the run. Maybe. I think they are ramping up to Diana Smash, you know, where she get where she uh, starts embracing this this anger. So I don't know, Wayne. We might get a lot more fights. We'll see. The fights do look beautiful and they're well choreographed, which is pretty easy to do when you're drawing both sides. But still, they look good. I know when Hunter, Hunter shoots her through the foot, I'm like, oh god, that does hurt, and it just takes her right out of flight, right into a wall. Like that. Wow. So that was cool. But yeah, I'm enjoying the book. I, I guess I, I don't I don't feel the I don't feel the, the you know the the momentum being lost maybe as much as you, Dwayne. But I, maybe that's just because I'm I don't know. I, I thought that the other uh, the uh, the beginning of the run was a little fight light. So I feel I like still... overall it's balancing out. I still feel that this is the ultimate Wonder Woman, much like Ultimate Spider-Man that Aaron picked up this week, except this book was good. Oh, uh, man, I got to I got to disagree with you. Ultimate Spider-Man was fantastic. It was so good. I I don't read Ultimate Spider-Man uh, as a rule. I've read the first couple of trades, but that's about it. Uh, my comic shop guy, when he was uh, ringing me out, he said, oh, uh, did you did you want to pick up Ultimate Spider-Man this week? I'm like, man, I don't read that crap. He's like, Chris Somney did the artwork, and he knows I love Chris Somney. So I immediately ran and grabbed a copy off the shelf. <laughs> and this book is beautiful. I I thoroughly dig the artwork in this book. Um, it, it is the, – the backgrounds are so detailed and just full of, of, uh, of action. Um, there's this wonderful scene where uh, Peter is, is sitting at the Daily Bugle waiting to meet with J. Jonah Jameson. And it's just this just wonderfully detailed shot of the newsroom. Thoroughly loved the artwork. I mean, Chris Somney nailed this. But beyond that, the story by Bendis is fantastic. This is a, a prelude to the death of Spider-Man. And it's uh, wrapping up some things that have been out there apparently earlier in the story. Like, for instance, uh, Jonah knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And there is this just wonderful scene between uh, Jonah and Peter 
talking about, you know, what he knows. And, you know, Peter in the ultimate Spider-Man is still a teenager. Um, and, you know, dealing with these very kind of grown up issues, I won't ruin anything for, for anybody about this book other than to say it was fantastic. It's a standalone issue. Um, it's called the prelude to death of Spider-Man. I'm not sure how it, you know, leads into that other than the, the, uh, final panel has next issue, the death of Spider-Man. But, uh, I thought this book was fantastic. And I'm, as long as Chris Somney stand on the artwork, I'll pick up the next issue. I plan on getting the next issue. Cause I mean, I did, I was a big ultimate Spider-Man fan all the way through up until, uh, basically till they reset the numbering. Yeah. When they reset the numbering, I picked up the first five, maybe six issues after that. And, I found each time it was just – it was grading me how much I disliked it. I disliked the art, disliked the story, is, and they had basically ruined a title that was one of my favorite books, yeah. and I haven't really come back since. Well, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. This is one of the, my favorite books that I read this week. Aaron, did, did Chris Somney like work on the cape too? Because everywhere he goes, things die. <laughs> Tim, why do you got to be so full of hate? I'm, I'm not full of hate. I'm full of venom. Uh. Uh. <laughs> wow. Uh, I see wrong. what you did there. <laughs> I thought it was nifty. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> impressed. I'm taking notes. I'm not yeah. let, let's, let's I just want to hear some other buddy with full of venom too. Let's say I just want to find out if Aaron liked Venom number one or not, because if he liked it, then it's doomed to be canceled. I did not like <laughs> Venom number one. Neither oh, did that, I. Then it, yes. then it was awesome. I didn't well, even read it. It was exactly what I feared it was going to be. It was so different from what we had in, you know, essentially the zero issue in Amazing Spider-Man. The artwork sucked so hard. Didn't I hated the artwork and I didn't think it Don't get me wrong. I think it's well drawn. I just don't think it matched the story. Okay. So, um, I mean, the artwork is not as good as what was in the point one Spider-Man. Yeah. But but besides the, the artwork was why I didn't buy it. I picked it up and flipped through it and looked at it. I was like, this is more stylized I, crap. I am it, absolutely yeah. with Wayne. I opened the cover and I saw beady little shriveled like voodoo head people. And I'm like, I am not picking this book up. Well, but, and, and, and moreover, I mean, it's it, the book's drawn by Tony Moore, who I think is a very talented artist. I I, I have really enjoyed his uh, previous work. Uh, I think I I think I most know him, and I think I've got this right from Walking Dead. Uh, yes, I think he was the he original was, uh, artist, the first artist. Yeah, he was the original artist on Walking Dead, and I really enjoyed that work there. I don't think that most of these pages don't work for a superhero comic. Like the 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 first couple of shots where you had the. Uh, Guys in the UN, uh, Tony Stark armor, um, they just look ridiculous. You know, they don't they don't look they don't look like we would expect a Tony Stark design to look like. They I just thought they looked comical. Um, but the scene where uh, Jack O' Lantern has killed the two civilians, I think that is a beautiful panel. You know, where he's hovering over him with with his broom, and you can see where the the uh, the Two civilians or have been you know burned from the inside out. I, I I think that's a very effective panel, and there are a couple of other panels like that that work really well. I just think as a whole, his art style did not serve the story well. But it, it's exactly what I feared it was going to be. The tone of the book is so very different from what we've gotten over on Amazing Spider-Man because we've essentially had two Venom stories over there, and both of those were outstanding. I did not uh, care for this. One little bit. I could not feel more differently than you do about it. Tell me. Tell me, Andrew. Convince me why I'm wrong. Well, I can't convince you about the art. I mean, that that's a personal taste. I mean, you, you think it doesn't fit the story. I can't really argue with you. It's, it's your personal preference. But uh, I, I do like the art. I think it works well because I don't really look at this as a superhero story. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's wearing a psychopathic alien symbiote who's dealing with addiction and the loss of his legs. When I hear the the pitch for the story, I don't think it's going to be a four color superhero book. So you know, it's definitely darker. I mean, uh, I, I kind of like the horror that it, the artist brought to Jack O' Lantern because it's very easy to make him just look comical and absurd. Mm -hmm. uh, but for, as far as the story, the only Venom story I got out of Spider Man is the point one, so I, I can't compare it to the other one that that there apparently was. But in the point one, 
you had Flash Thompson going on a mission and dealing with controlling the symbiote and then coming back and trying to balance his personal life with having to run off and do secret agent Venom stuff. In this book, you have Flash Thompson going on a mission, having to deal with the Venom suit, trying to take over and, and become enraged. And then coming back and trying to balance his personal life and the loss yeah. of his legs and his addiction. I mean, it's the same story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's I the mean, second pilot is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think the tone, <clears throat> I think it flows very well as far as tone and style from the first one. Because in that point one, I didn't see it as a four-color superhero book either. I mean, he had that whole part where he raged out and chomped that guy's head off. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, if you were expecting a superhero book, I could see why you'd be disappointed from it. But but I think this is probably going to be a darker story, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in for it. Well, I don't disagree that <clears throat> you, know, you would expect a darker tone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I don't. I don't disagree that you would expect a darker tone, but I would expect that the things that are tropes from superherodom, like the Tony Stark armor, would look more like Tony Stark armor and not a great big joke. I mean, I I, I didn't really fixate on that. I just kind of saw them, thought of mandroids, and moved on. But see, mandroids would have been cooler. <laughs> mandroids looked much worse than that armor. Oh, I love mandroids were ugly. Love mandroids. I mean, I liked them as a story plot, but they were ugly suits of armor. Oh, I loved, loved them. All right. um, uh, but I, I, I think there are some panels that work. I just, you know, there's the the, the panel that, that immediately follows uh, the big reveal where jack-o'-lanterns killed those two civilians that we talked about. And it follows on the next page, and he's, like, melted off this guy's face. It looks like it's supposed to be funny, you know, that the guy's face is melting. It's just, it, I just don't care for the execution of the artwork. Yeah, that was kind of. I, I didn't care for that that scene with yeah. his the look on his face. I didn't think that didn't think that was really yeah. done well. But at the end of the book, when Flash has has had this big thing with Betty, and he rolls out, and there's this nice smooth handicap ramp up to the bar. Yeah. And the the stairs to the church for the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting have no has no ramp. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, I, I and I agree. That was nicely done. I thought that the last two pages of the book were probably the two best pages of the book. Yeah, I'm hoping that in the next issue, you know, they kind of get away from the going on a mission thing and maybe spend the next book just dealing with him and his personal life. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing that I was thinking about this book. You know, despite it being generally a different feel from Amazing Spider-Man 654.1, it was essentially the same story as Amazing Spider-Man 654.1. Venom goes on a mission, he gets pissed off, he Venoms out, he disappoints Betty... He's sad. I mean, it is literally the exact same book, just, you know, different location and different art. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love Jack O'Lantern as a character, even though I thought he died. So seeing him in this book kind of surprised me because I thought he died during Civil War. But uh, I guess uh, he's back now. Well, I mean, the guy had a, uh, a grenade in his mouth that blew off half his jaw and he still lived through that. So I thought that was a nice scene, too. <laughs> You know, and if they if they keep the same format and tell the exact same story number two, then then I then I'd be out. But I'm hoping that they uh, go from this and and move more into other areas of, of the Venom storyline at issue two. Yeah. So are you on for issue two, Aaron? Yeah, I'll pick it up. Um, but I'm I, I'm going to require a lot out of issue two. Um, and if it doesn't if it doesn't meet that need, I'll be off of it after that. Because there's yeah. a, there's enough there that I like. I really like the character. I like the situation. I just didn't care for how this book executed. On the bright side of things, issue two is only two ninety nine, so that's good. Oh, and then I can lower my threshold for quality then. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you did when you started buying Justice League Generation Lost? No, hey, because oh. Justice League Generation Lost has been a very high quality book. I think Wayne would agree with me. Yep, only place to get a good booster gold story. That's right. So in so, uh, this week's Justice League Generation Lost... Week three of Dead Blue Beetle. <laughs> and, you know, we start the this issue with uh, Booster Morning uh, Blue Beetle on the cover. What do you think, Wayne? Uh, I think the uh, Blue Beetle updates are kind of like the he-she update at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Isn't he? Well, no. No, he's not dead. Big <laughs> surprise. We, we've been saying this since he got shot in the head that he isn't dead. And now we get him standing up and you know saying that he knows what Max Lord's plans are. Um, this issue is pretty much a down issue. It was all of the characters dealing with with Blue Beetle being dead. 
until he stands up and he's not dead anymore. Right. I enjoyed it. I liked all the character moments. I liked that Booster is really questioning himself and that he's he's struggling, that he's sick and tired of everyone seeing him as this loser when he knows what he's really doing. Mm-hmm. And then to see the rest of the team stand up and tell him, no, we need you to lead us. Yeah, that was a great moment. It's nice seeing the the, te- the the other characters getting how much Booster has done for them. Yeah, the rest of the DC Universe sees him as this complete loser. Right. These guys see through it. You know, they're his friends from the past. They know how much he's changed, and they're following him. Yeah. I particularly enjoyed the character moments between Fire and Rocket Red. You know, uh, that's where uh, we, we learn that, you know, Rocket Red, when he's not being the rocket, walks around in a T-shirt – and his steel pants. <laughs> I'm like, you know, if, if you went ahead and took off the top, why not just put on a pair of shorts or something? But no, he walks around in his steel pants. But uh, he and Fire apparently get it on. Um, and then there's this also a very nice moment between Ice and Captain Adam. And, you know, Captain Adam's, you know, having this moment of crisis that, you know, I've been involved in, you know, so many deaths during, you know, since this this whole problem began. He's blaming himself for it, even though he's not the one responsible. It's Max Lord who's let all this stuff happen. And, you know, he's like, you know, I'm going to live forever. And apparently I can't have a, a positive impact on anybody. And, you know, Ice is like, you know. I'm encouraged that you're going to live forever because that means that there will always be a hero there to protect us. I love the new ice since she came back. The uh, the new costume, the new attitude, because we I complained about her a lot in the beginning of the series. She was a whiny little bitch and I was ready to see her die again. Yeah. And then she died, came back. And this is great. Yeah. I mean, I love what they're doing with ice now. Finally seeing her be a strong character. Yeah, I I dug it. I dug this this whole book. That was good stuff. Good stuff, and we're rocketing in towards the end of the series. So Yeah, I can't wait to see how this one ends. Yeah. I, DC has a bad habit of disappointing me with their endings, and I don't think that's going to happen here. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing what they do with this. Well, speaking of disappointing endings, Superboy number five, the big race between Kid Flash and Superboy. And Crypto. And Crypto, yes. Who didn't manage to make the cover. <laughs> oh, well, you know what's funny? Here is the book that I was allowed to put back on the shelf. Oh, really? Um, well, because I wanted the Francis Manipal cover. Uh. So I could have I, – so I switched it out for the Francis Manipal cover, and it was allowed. I'm glad that he allowed you to do that. So I don't think I saw – which one's the Francis Manipal cover? It shows uh, Superboy, Kid Flash, and, um, and Crypto. Okay. And it just kind of shows them running around the planet. That's not the one I got then. No. You said Crypto's not on your cover, so you He's probably not. got the crap cover. Yeah, I did. And apparently I also got the crap book that was <laughs> under that cover. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know, I said that I was going to wait till 5 and, and hopefully 5 would uh, reignite my love for this book. But damn, this was crap from beginning to end. And, and I'm a big fa- fan of the uh, uh, Superman Flash races from from you know long ago, so I thought this was going to be a lot of fun nostalgia. But wow, this was just you know epic bad. And the story—I mean, not just the story, but the art was terrible. Yes, yes. Well, and I I, I just I I really don't care for the way he draws Superboy. Um, number one. Superboy has got a gigantic cock. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> there is He's a, modeled after me. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> there is a page where where uh, Superboy and Kid Flash are standing there next to Pete Ross at the beginning of the race, and I mean the package on Connor Kent. <laughs> Is gigormous. <laughs> I mean, it looks clearly, like he's wearing a fanny pack under his jeans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like he took a dump in a, in the front of his pants. I mean, it is <laughs> it is huge. I I found it disturbing. <laughs> you think? I'm I'm, uh, I'm very happy for my manhood that I didn't notice that until Aaron pointed it out. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's eyes do naturally go there. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just I, oh. I I hated this book. 
Paul, I, you said the art was was horrible. I'm gonna say the art was consistent. Yeah, which is the well, same consistently thing. horrible. Though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this book was wrong. Hey, let's put Damian Wayne in a book and not have him say a single word. He looks smarmy, and he doesn't say anything. And, like, the only Titan I think that says anything is oh, Ravager and Beast Boy have exactly one line. Yeah. Ugh. This is just a horrible book. You know, it, it, it was nothing fun. There was, you know, one of the things that you need is a sense of speed when yeah. you're showing a Superman kid flash or Superboy kid flash race. And there was no sense of speed. You know, they looked like they were posing the entire time. Well, and how is it Crypto can win the race when they require that there's no flying and Crypto flew the entire race? That's a good point. Jeez. I mean, Crypto's a cheater. Because once again, they wanted to find a cop-out way because you could never have a clear-cut winner in a Superman Flash race, or in this case, Superboy Kid Flash. Well, I, I just got to say that the only thing worse than a loser, Crypto, is a cheater. And he, Crypto's just nothing but a stinky cheater. Bad dog. Bad dog. <laughs> and he looks so happy that he got away with it, too. <laughs> well, he's a dog. Which uh, makes him the best character in the book. This is true. He is yeah, the deepest that's, that's character. True. That's, for, that's for damn sure. It's also <laughs> true. Well. I, you know, I'd, I'd flush Superboy, but there's a sack in the toilet. <laughs> well, that depresses that. me. Much like. <laughs> A little depressed boy. You know, I grabbed this from the uh, – this is one of the books we got from Image. So I grabbed it knowing nothing about it other than the name sounded kind of cool. So, I, you know, I was uh, – I read through it, and I I did really enjoy it, but it reminds me so much of Seinfeld. Like, so if anyone hates Seinfeld, they're probably not going to enjoy the book because it even had one of Seinfeld's stories in it, really. There was an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry didn't know his girlfriend's name. That was the whole point of this issue. The little depressed boy had no idea who this weird girl's, what her name was. So they spent the entire issue just trying to figure out her name without taking the time to actually ask. Now, was this was this story also set in Manhattan? Now, they never really tell you what city it's in, but okay, it's generic city. Yeah, it was generic city. I kind of, I really enjoyed it. I was surprised by it because it did sound so much like that Seinfeld episode. But the art was interesting. The writing was good. It was fun. It wasn't like anything I've ever read in a comic book. I'll put it that way. How was the art? I said art was very good on it. It's nice, crisp lines like I like. It's not, uh, it's not like a superhero art or anything. It's you know, not nearly as detailed, kind of a little little more cartoonish, but good shading. So would you recommend it to anybody? I do. Even though it did have basically a Seinfeld story, I thought it did it much better than Seinfeld did, that's for sure. So yeah, I, this is a fun book. I recommend it for being a fun book. I was curious about it. I just uh, I didn't get a chance to read it, and I haven't read the first issue. So, not having read the first issue, you think it's okay for me to read the second issue? Yeah, I haven't read the first issue. First issue, I'm I'm assuming set up the second issue, but this was the the first issue of it I read, and I was very pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Well, I I, I shared a similar surprise this week. When I read Sigil Number One, uh, the CrossGen reboot from Marvel, um, I wasn't expecting much out of this, and I, I read it to give it a shot. And you know, hey, it was only two ninety nine, and I actually really dug this book. Uh, Paul, I know you read it. What'd you think? You know, I gotta be honest. I have a differing point of view on it. No. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I was kind of complaining about New Avengers, nothing happening. I mean, yeah, something happens at the very end of this book. But for most of the book, it's like, hey, let's sit around the cafeteria. Hey, let's ride our bicycles. Hey, let's get picked on a couple of times or fail a test. It's like, you know, come on. And, you know, and then, like, the girls who pick on her in high school, do people actually do that? Like, hey, let's hold this person to the ground and paint her face 
blue with blue paint. It's like, does that really happen in real that life? That happened every day to Tim at school. And do, and do they really bust doors down with fire hydrants? I mean, come on. Or fire I, Tim, extinguishers? Tim I thought that was a that bit every obsessive. day. That's why there were no <laughs> doors at his school. Come down. He does at his house now. <laughs> it just seemed a little cliche. <laughs> I agree. I, I think the bullying was a little over the top. Yeah. But uh, I everything else I really enjoyed about the book. Andrew, what'd you think? You know, it was slow. I, I'll give you that. But I think they're trying to set up kind of the baseline of this character before her miraculous transformation to something else. So it was very character driven, kind of showing how bad and how horrible her life is now so that we can see her evolve into something else. And then, you know, the first arc, hopefully. So. It was a little slow, but I'm very interested. I thought it was kind of a nice, nice first issue, so I'm I'm uh, interested in reading number two. Same here. Same here. Did any of you read the original? I did not. I did not. I, I, I enjoyed never- some of the cross-gen stuff. It was I came to it in trade after it had already you know left, and I was kind of disappointed by how badly it failed because there were some really good stories in there, and I was kind of curious how it just how it compared to the originals. I don't know. I you know I read some cross-gen stuff back in the day, but I never read Sigil. Um, you know, and CrossGen always had a real high production value. You know, yeah. the, the, the artwork was always really nice. And there, are, there seemed to be story there. It wasn't like some of the 90s stuff where it was all artwork and no story. But um, I, I'm, I'm curious about this. Uh, one of the things I don't understand is why Marvel bought the rights to these characters. Because, you know, in all honesty, while I, you know, I, I, got, I, I was entertained by issue one, this isn't anything that they couldn't have just done on their own. Because it's not like – I don't think that there's this whole subsection of thousands and thousands of, of comic readers that are going, yes, sigil. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't think there's anybody out there doing that. I never hear anybody go, oh, man, if I could just get my cross-gen comics back. <laughs> you know, I, I, just don't, I don't see that happening. I, I think this is a I, – I haven't been able to figure out why they bought these properties. And it sounds like they've changed it quite a bit from the original, so it's not like they even bought it because they want to tell the same story. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't get it. Well, my, you know, and that was one thing I had a, I felt was a missed opportunity with this book. You know, at the end, you know, where it just shows the cover for issue two, it would have been nice to have a little, you know, a little text thing explaining the differences, you know, between this and the original sigil, or explaining what happened in the original sigil storyline. You know, something like that, or even something a little bit about CrossGen, like the history of CrossGen, something. Yeah. I would have liked a little bit of something about that. You know, they they just assume people are going to read the shit online, and it's like, you know, it, it would be nice to get a little bit of that information in the comic book as well. I don't disagree with you. That would have been nice. Yeah. But you want, uh, little, I, you want a little something, something, Paul? Is that what you were saying? I want a little something, something. Yeah. Well, I liked it enough to buy issue two. I didn't dislike it. I just felt like. More could have happened, um, and you know. I, but I'll give issue two a shot. The, the way the book ended was very interesting to me, and uh, I vaguely remember. You know, she she basically to spoil the ending a little bit. She goes back in time and uh, ends up meeting up with a, a pirate named El Cazador, and I'm pretty sure El Cazador was also a um, an old. Oh no, the, the the name of the boat is the El Cazador. I'm pretty sure that was a cross gen title as well. Well, to give you an idea, Paul, if you didn't read the original Sigil, it sounds like this character is a 16-year-old girl in high school or something. Yes. The original was a guy that was part of the military. He was a former soldier. Hmm. Same Sounds like it's the same name. Like uh, Probably going to go by Sam for short, but Samantha Ray or Sarm... Yeah, something like that. Well, and you know, obviously there's some time you know, effects going on. Is it possible that this happens after the original sigil? And this is the new bearer of the sigil? I that was always we'll the point. That, I mean, that was always the point of the sigils is multiple realities. Each world has one. Ah, I see. So I, I've never, I don't know anything really about cross-gen or the original sigil, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough. Uh, I have a vague recollection of stuff I read. And like I said, I never read any of the original sigil. Yeah, there were basically a lot of titles and the only connection between them was that. You know, it basically that the mark gave them power, but it was different people across different universes. And it wasn't like there were a bunch of them that would team up because they were all in separate realities. Like I said, I'm in for number two. 
Well, we know you're in for number two. Are you in for? Are you picking up a ruse next week? Ruse looks has no appeal to me whatsoever. I I'm, just, I'm curious about it. Yeah. I'm going to let you be curious. Well, and it's written by Mark Wade, who you know. I mean, yeah, I guess saying that he's burned me before, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> burned by Wade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'll depend on how many books are coming out next week. If it's a crowded week, you know, uh, I won't get it. But you know, if there's some if there's some wiggle room in the old comics budget next week, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Lots I'm suddenly tempted one. since he mentioned Mark Wade's writing it because he's never burned me. Mm. <laughs> he, he never got a whole fire and ice thing going there. <laughs> <laughs> he's always been consistent. I've never picked up a Mark Wade book that I didn't like. Yeah, now did. I feel like he's daring us. <laughs> I'm gonna go find that great big horse turd of a, of a Mark Wade book and make him read it. Read it, Wayne. Was, uh, ah, do it. Read it, you pussy. <laughs> I'll take free comics. Mail me anything. <laughs> uh, Amazing Spider-Man: Survival of the Species. That was written by Mark Wade. Didn't read it. You didn't read that one. Who read that one? Someone read that one with me and hated it. Probably one somebody thing. not on this podcast anymore. I like that. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I like them apples. so you know we're all gonna see each other this week for fear of the con indeed i'm very excited there will be uh you know uh copious amounts of drinking and uh a little bit of the cigar and uh lots of gaming what day is everyone coming in i'm coming in thursday 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 morning i'm already there (laughs) (laughs) and you know uh andrew's taking paul on a tour of micro Yes, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not too hurt or crushed or disturbed by this. You know, I can tell you're not by the by the way you talk about it. You hardly ever mention it. I can hardly tell ever. Because you're never. not hurt at all. You know what I'm taking a tour of? Friggin' Illinois to get to Missouri. <laughs> what time are you rolling in, Tim? Yeah, probably like two or three. All right. Well, I think I land around twelve thirty-one, something like that. The rest of us are just taking a tour of Paul's room. <laughs> Well, we've got we got to get the disco ball up and the party keg going. So the stripper pole, yeah, for Paul. Oh, uh, Aaron, I talked to the goat guy again. Uh, he said he'd give us a discount on the llama if we got excellent, right. excellent. Yeah, you know, we we wanted to step it up. We didn't want a donkey show, Paul. We wanted to have a llama show because now anybody can have a donkey show. We want you to have a llama show. I appreciate yeah, funny, that. That's, that's funny books, kind. Funny, funny books next week is going to be called The Petting Zoo. <laughs> maybe, maybe for the animals, maybe for what you and Andrew do before the microbrew. I'm sure. We're going to leave that up to the imagination. That's right. So, you know, I assume since we're all going to be in St. Louis that Lent, uh, Jonathan's going to come and do, do funny books by himself next week. <laughs> no, because X Men Forever doesn't come out next week. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you in St. Louis. Bye. And bye Adios. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 